Hey, hey, you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash on Radio Harbor Country. This is John Goldman, and we're on WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. I'm very excited to welcome to the studio Ron Spears, who was also on Johnny's Secret Stash episode 22. So we welcome him back. And looking forward to talking with him today. Ron, welcome to the studio. Really, Ron Spears, thank you for coming. And uh, such a pleasure to have you uh, back on the show. Thanks, John. Uh, as I had previously mentioned, Ron was also on episode 22. So uh, this is episode 56. Welcome back to the show. Thanks. I can't wait to hear about the stuff that you've done in between because it's uh, been a while. It's been a, that was pre-pandemic. That's right. And uh, and you've done a lot of things since then. You know, it's, it's funny that that uh, this whole COVID shutdown thing actually has a silver lining, at least for me. Yeah. Uh, and then I ended up with an immense amount of practice time <laughs> there and, you go. and and things I've been wanting to do and. Uh, so it's really it's really paid off. Yeah, and you have a new guitar. I understand. Oh my god, it's, it's your baby. Yeah. You can, uh, I love that thing. I just got it a few months ago. I ordered it April of twenty one <clears throat> from a custom shop at Martin, and I used the basic design that I had gotten from Yorma Kalkinen of Hot Tuna. Uh huh. Right, because you've spent some time at. His for for Peace Ranch. For for, actually, Peace Ranch. four times I've been there. Have you? Oh, it's yeah. four times. Wow. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. And I played his guitar. Oh yeah. And, okay. And I just it just I looked at Yarmar. I said, "Where has this been all my life?" And he <laughs> says, "Well, this one's mine. <laughs> so get your own." So, so I did. And what was so special about his guitar that that made it? It's a smaller body. Mm-hmm. Most of my guitars, well, not most, but the two performance guitars I use are dreadnoughts which are big. Okay. And they make a great sound. They're wonderful. But they're a little bit big. Uh Bulky, hard to handle. A little bit. If you're standing up and playing with a strap, it's a little bit better. But when I sit down for a lot of the finger pick and stuff I do, I like the smaller body. It's got a bigger hole. So when I have my hand over it, my my finger picks are right smack dab in the middle Uh, of the guitar hole. So I get a lot of projection. Yeah. And I really like that. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, and you use uh, metal strings, right? Not All to, steel. Well, uh, yeah, I don't use nylon, if that's what you're saying. Yeah, because there is a, uh, a tendon. There's um, a thing about using nylon strings, and that's more of a, what does that do? Like a softer, easier to... It's a softer sound. Uh, classical musicians right. typically use nylon strings. It, it works better for what they do. Uh-huh. You know, if we go back in the centuries... They used, I hate to say this, but they used what they called cat gut, cat gut uh-huh. just like the violins and all that. But, yeah. um, and I know a lot of guitarists, including someone I study with now, who uses a nylon string guitar for some practicing because it's just easier on the fingers. Sure, sure. Well, if you've got the calluses, then... Uh, uh, yeah, I definitely you probably have the calluses. Cal- after sitting home at, during, pand- during COVID and uh, practicing. What was your practice schedule when uh, I was getting in a good two and a half, three hours a day. Wow. And uh, I would pick certain things. So I'd work on jazz one day. I'd work on um, blind Blake type finger picking blues another day. Oh, man. And, um, you know, different guitars. Uh, So it really it's 
you know, and I lose total track of time. Sure. When I'm doing yeah. this and I'm playing and all of a sudden I look like, oh, my God, it's been three hours. My <laughs> fingers are sore. <laughs> but that's part of the joy of doing the whole thing. Right. And you just love it. You love I it. do. So I do. when you're practicing, are you going through scales or just kind of replaying songs that you want to get to um, know better? It gets a little more complicated than that. Scales are one thing. I work on chord changes, uh, different kinds of voicings. Uh, chords have something called inversions, where a C chord, the notes would be C, E, G, and B. And B flat if it's a C seventh. And if the C is in the bass, that's cool. That's what most people know. But you can put an E in the bass, a G in the bass, and that's called an inversion by flipping the notes around in different parts of the neck. And it gives a totally different voicing. And so when you're working on perfecting a tune, you're going to try to voice it in the way that one is good for you to play, but two makes it sound better along with the melody, especially if you want to play the chords and the melody at the same time. Wow. Okay. And uh, how how long have well you've been playing for quite a long time? When I'm, did you first start playing? I've guitar? been playing since I've been fourteen. Okay. Right. And I'm sixty nine now. So yeah. Yeah, I've been playing a while. Did you take any time off? In between I did. Them? I took about fourteen years off. Uh, got married. Started a company. And um, just, just couldn't find the time at that point. Well, and it was very funny, and, and uh, just a, a quick digression is that, that uh, the Martin D18 that I had bought in 1971 started to become really hard to play, and I didn't realize that the neck had bowed up so bad that the action was just awful. And um, Garth Taylor, who uh, started the School of American Music uh -huh. where I teach guitar, yeah. took a look at it in 2010 and said, you need to bring this into a shop and so I brought it into a shop in Chicago we sent it back to Martin they took the neck off put it back on they fixed cracks they re-glued the bridge changed the nut and they didn't charge me a penny really lifetime was... guarantee on Martin guitars oh wow even on and, your custom Martin guitar oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely and it was funny when I went into the shop the guy looked at me he said this is 1800 bucks worth of work and I said, for crying out loud, I only paid two eighty for it with the case back in 1972. And he Which said, was an expensive guitar back then. Uh, well, uh, well, certainly for me as a college student. Yeah. You know. And uh, he said, so, did you register the guitar? And I said, I don't know. Yeah. And it turned out I did. Smart boy. Wow. They had some little uh, key punch uh, computer card back in uh, I just, <laughs> back from I must have just mailed something in, but they knew yeah. who I was. And the cool thing is that now I have a guitar with 45-year-old wood that uh -huh. plays like a new instrument. That's unbelievable. It's wow. sweet. Do, do it's they good. replace the neck or they were able to? They took to... it off and reset it. Oh, so they put, okay. it, they put it back on. The only thing it cost me was for them to do the frets and the fretboard, uh -huh. which is like brakes on a car. You know, it's just wear and tear. Oh, right, right. You know. So was it – so you described it as being uh, bent so that it, it made the action hard. Was it bent forward? It bowed the front? up. So oh, if, so it's like up? Uh-huh. So if you were to look flat down yeah. the strings, the, the, the neck was bowed up a good six degrees. It was so terrible. Did you have some parts of the string below the, the neck? or? Uh, no, no. It, it bowed up. So if you're looking at the flat of the guitar, it bowed upwards. Oh, I see. Th so this is what I was thinking about. So yeah, with, yeah, the, yeah. with the guitar on the ground, uh, with the, um, the hole to the top, 
Yep. Uh, it was tilted up. Yeah, it's so it's, you have to push extra hard to make the connection from the string to the fret. Yeah, it, and that's that's what's called action, and, and, yeah. and you know, a guitar with bad action, you just don't want to play. No, right. It makes it extra hard. I mean, you had to push extra hard just to make that connection. And uh-huh. uh, did it? Was there a noticeable difference in your playing after the traumatic? Yeah. Traumatic. And so was that sort of the resurgence of your interest in music again? Like all of a sudden it's like, wow, I'm able to do this again. Well, and I ended up becoming kind of a, a guitar geek. I started buying guitars. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's like now I got a small herd, but that's kind of typical. Sure. You know, yeah. I have, I have the, that one. I have another Dreadnought. I have this custom guitar that I brought in today. I have a smaller guitar I use for travel. And then I have an electric jazz guitar, which has really been my... A big focus for me, jazz. Oh yeah, and how long have you been playing jazz guitar music? Probably it... since 2016, or a little before that. So it's relatively new to uh, your playing. Mm-hmm. What oh. kind of stuff were you playing before? Old timey blues, folk. Uh huh. You know, I cut my teeth on the the folk revival right. in New York because I'm from New York, so I'd go to Greenwich Village. So I cut my teeth on that stuff. Wow. Oh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I still remember most of those songs. So it's really great. You want to play one? Sure. All right. That's great. Let's see. Um, Got your finger picks? Yeah, I use finger picks. It just gives the guitar a better sound for me. Sure. And it's a little more positive. Uh, Yeah, stainless. And uh, here we go. Very nice. I might have to turn that mic down just a little bit. Let's see. Um, all right, I'll play a kind of a shortened version of Hesitation Blues. Very nice. Have you ever heard me play that? Uh, no, but I've just heard Bruce Katz playing Hesitation Blues. Bruce Katz, a keyboard player. Okay. And uh, but I'm looking forward to hearing it. Yeah, play. it's an old Reverend Gary Davis song. Ah, okay. Meet a new gas, she don't mind. Tell me how long do I have to wait? Can I get you now? Satan, must I hesitate? Well, the eagle on the dollar says, in God we trust. You say you want a man, but you want to see his dollar first. Tell me how long. Do I have to wait? Can I get you now? Lord, must I hesitate? Stalkers got the hesitation shoes 
You say, Lord, I got them hesitation blues. Do that. Tell me how long do I have to wait? Can I get you, Lord? Must I hesitate? Can I get you now? Must I hesitate? All right. It's kind of a shortened version That's of Hesitation great. Blues. Yeah, It's like yeah. six verses to that song. But <laughs> it's a real going. fun tune. It's a real fun tune. Yeah, that is. And I can see what you're saying. Like the guitar just fits better under your arm and on your lap. Yeah. And uh, it's a, a but what, nice size. But what's amazing is for the smaller size, it makes at least as much noise as a dreadnought, if not more. Which is kind yeah. of well beyond my expectations. And because it's... Because the neck is the way I wanted to design the way I wanted it, it's making me a better player. And so what specifics did you have when it came well, to designing the neck? The neck, most necks are round yeah. in the back. Right. This is called a modified V. Oh, uh-huh. So it's almost like a, a, a V with the bottom smoothed, around, smoothed sure, off. Sure, sure. And so it, it Your really, hand fits around it really nicely. Well, mine does. Yeah. Other people might say, well, it doesn't, but... Everybody's hand is different. That's so right. So it's that's, fitted to your hand. That's why it's called a custom guitar. <laughs> so how do how do they fit you for this custom guitar? Do they uh, take your measurements and? Uh, no, you know I played a few axes, got a sense of how how it would be, and I played Yorma's guitar. And a couple of people had already gotten that style because when he designed the guitar, and, and he said the same thing I did when David Bromberg turned him on. Uh-huh. to this guitar. Yorma said, where's this guitar been all my life? <laughs> and um, so it, uh, it's the kind of thing where, where uh, he just created, I guess, a, a Yorma Kalkinen signature guitar. The, the Martin people, you're saying. That's right. So yeah, they designed it, I and for a, a, about two or three years, people could buy a signature guitar. Uh-huh. Well, they still have the design for the basic guitar, but you can't get it with the Yorma signature on it anymore. I but see. That's okay. I'm yeah. not Yorma. I'm Ron. That's right. And it's but the same you can probably guitar. just have Yorma sign it next time you see him. Uh, I probably will. <laughs> when we uh, uh, Fur Peace Ranch has gone virtual for this year. Yeah. Oh, it has. They did. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna at the end of April. No, beginning of April. I'm gonna work on a virtual with a guy named Pat Donahoe for th- uh, three three-hour sessions. Uh, I wanted to work with him in 2020 at Fur Peace, but that was in the middle of a pandemic and I just right. wasn't going to drive six and a half hours down there. It yeah. Wasn't. So you didn't go in 2020. No, I went, I went last uh, September. I worked with a guy named Larry Campbell. Oh, okay. Um, if you've never heard his stuff, I've heard of Larry Campbell. Uh, he is extraordinary. <laughs> he is truly extraordinary. What kind of uh, influences does Larry Campbell have? Uh, very much a lot of stuff as mine. Jazz uh, finger picking. He's uh-huh. got some jazz stuff, but he does a lot of old old timey blues, and but he has a mastery of the guitar, which is just beyond yeah. compare. Working with him in a class and and learning his style is just extraordinary. Right. Uh, so you work with a couple different teachers, and you're also a teacher, and you're a yeah. You know, you you play out a couple times. Yeah, I just uh, I just did a concert at Dablon Winery. Uh, That's a little right. over a week ago. Yes, I I'll was play. out of town, but Kara went. Yeah, my, yeah, my she was partner there. Partner Kara. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be back there on great. the fifteenth of May. 
Oh, good. Yeah. I actually, I, I've, we've been really enjoying Dablon Barnett. How do we pronounce it? Dablon? Dablon, I think, is yeah. what they like. Okay. Well, <laughs> They're nice folks. I, I figured it must be a um, like a compilation of a couple of names or something like that. Or um, is it a grape? I mean, I'm not even sure what. Well, uh, it's not a grape. It's or a family name maybe, but uh, that I couldn't tell. Yeah, I don't know. Well, but but they gave me a gig and they're paying me, so yeah. that's cool. Yeah, Can't and it's there. a really cool room, and yeah. people go there to listen to music. They do. You know, it's um, they do. It, it gets quiet, and uh, you know they're drinking wine, but you know it gets kind of quiet. People are listening, and I was surprised. Pl- I thought I would there. be Mister Background. Right, you never know. No, yeah. you don't. And so that was a cool part. Yeah. Well, I always like to go to places where. Uh, it's all about the music, you know, instead of having the music being kind of in the background. And uh, it seems like that's that's become a little bit more common around these areas in Harbor Country. When you go to see music somewhere, then, mm-hmm. you know, especially a, like a real venue like the Acorn or oh, Livery. Yeah. I mean, people are there to listen to the music. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. You know, we've been doing some stuff at the School of American Music in yeah. Three Oaks. And running some shows, and we'll, we'll we'll do some of those again this year. And a lot of those were outside. Is that the intention to have mm-hmm. all the shows outside? Well, we don't have an inside performance space, so then it would have to be. <laughs> yeah, our inside yeah. space is designed more for recording, and studio work, right? And right. and teaching. Yeah. Uh, so we do the stuff outside, but you know, Alan Turner was very, very generous, and it's called the Spring Creek Stage, named after his farm. Ah, okay. And so he helped us build the stage. So he made a very generous donation. So yeah. we're very grateful. He's, he's a great to guy. Alan and Lynn. Oh, they're great yeah. people. They really are. So uh, w- w- anyway, we were talking about your um, evolution from uh, you know blues and folk to jazz. Jazz. And uh, what triggered your uh, entry into jazz guitar? Well, for me, it was kind of I would say a natural. Flow because coming from New York and having parents who were Broadway fanatics, I was introduced to the Great American Songbook, Gershwin, Jerome Kern, oh, Oscar uh-huh. Hammerstein at a really young age. And so I always liked that stuff. And I just started playing it, and I said, this, is, this stuff is just a lot of fun. Yeah. And um, what really kicked it into gear is going to the Newport Jazz Festival in 2016. Ah. Uh-huh. And the D'Angelico people who make my jazz guitar had a stand. You know, there's stands that are selling, well, now there'd be CBD oil and stuff like that, but, <laughs> you know, macrame and, oh, yeah, and all this uh-huh. stuff that they have, along with all the music venues, which I think are like four or five stages they have there. And I played this guitar because I'd been thinking about jazz, and it, they, they set you up with an amp and a headphones, so you're not bothering anybody. Uh-huh. And I just like, this is sweet. <laughs> so I went home and I bought the guitar. Ah. And uh, it took a while, like with this guitar I'm, I'm holding in my lap right now, it took a while to get acquainted. Yeah. Any new instrument, you need to get acquainted and sure. get to know each other. You know, you will have your unique capabilities and your unique characteristics. And so you got you to gotta work that. Um, but I just picked that up and I started playing stuff. And I had already studied under a guy named Tony Del Rosario for 10 months in Chicago. So I started that in, when was it? The fall of 2014. Uh Uh-huh. And worked with him for 10 months until the schedules didn't work anymore. And the following spring, I started working with a guy named Del Prasco. 
and I've been working with him ever since. And, and uh, through these two teachers, you started developing an interest and a skill with playing jazz guitar? They got me into weeds I didn't even know existed, yeah. <laughs> which is a beautiful thing. You know, they're constantly, you know, a good teacher will constantly push you out of your comfort zone. And I learned music theory that I never knew existed. So the more I know, the less I know. Is kind of, it's that kind of thing. Music is just this enormous. Oh, right, right. Does it, does it get overwhelming to think like, oh, I've got that mastered. And then you learn something like, oh, boy, I thought I knew what I knew. And, and uh, it just becomes that much that much more onerous. <laughs> <laughs> I think the trick is not to think that you've mastered anything because oh, yeah. no matter how good you think you are, you're nowhere near as good as you could be. Always practicing. Always. Yeah. Always. Can you uh, play us something that's like a, an example of, of uh, jazz guitar? In your oh, mind? sure. Yeah. Uh, I'll play an instrumental. Um, let's see. What do I want to do here? All right. I'm going to do an instrumental version of Misty. You probably heard of that. Play Misty for me. Well, I th <laughs> that was a movie, wasn't it? Yeah, Fred Jolly in the room, and he, I made him crack up with that one. <laughs> yeah, right. He, he, Fred, Fred thinks he's Clint. He was singing the same thing. I yeah, think Fred thinks he's Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I recognize that, that yeah. uh, tune. Uh, I think Johnny Mathis, uh, I think, probably is the most well-known recording of that, although there's probably had dozens more. Right, right. It's one of those uh, those songs that goes way back. Oh, yeah. Uh, when you're doing jazz guitar, it's not limited to just, you know, a known song or a melody. I mean, there's a lot of uh, improvisation or uh, 
oh, yeah. spontaneous creativity that goes on in it. Uh, yeah. I mean, when I'm doing an arrangement like this, obviously, it's really hard right. to do um, an improv. Just go off the rails and, uh, yeah. well, and start doing a lot of improving. Yeah. You can, you can horse around a bit. Um, it's much easier when you're in a situation where you might have percussion mm-hmm. and a bass. So somebody's picking up the beat. You've yeah. got a little more music in there, and you're doing, you know, a, a blues kind of thing where you're, you know, something, you know, you know. Just a basic one, one, four, five blues, right? And that gives you a lot of opportunity to, to kind of play around. Yeah, definitely. Play under the chords. Uh, if I'm not playing with someone else, I'll either use a backing track or, or I'll just record it on my looper uh-huh. and play and along with myself. Yeah, yeah. So I know, like, man, I thought I played that better than that. <laughs> that, that happens a lot. That's do okay. You, do you ever do any of your own recording? Uh, you know, uh, even even just a real limited kind of thing where you're, um, you know, just you're playing, but you're taking down what you're playing and have a... You know, I'm, I'm going to start doing much more of that. I've gotten much more comfortable with garage band oh, and things uh-huh. like that. And uh, with the acoustic, it's a lot easier. With the electric, it's a little more complicated, but it, you can still do it. Yeah. And, uh, and that's fun. And the, the looper is really a lot of fun. Because I can do it in real time, and then I can d- overdub real easy. Yeah, using a foot pedal. So right, that makes it a lot of fun. I've seen. Uh, I mean, that becomes a style in and of itself when you're playing with oh, your yeah. own loop, and you create a loop, and then you create a loop on top of that loop. And, oh yeah, and you could have three or four, you know, instrumentations going on be, be you know, behind you while you're, you know, playing the melody or yeah. uh, singing along with it. And it takes a lot of training. Oh, sure. To, to really be on that and on the time, because if you're off by half a beat, yeah. everyone knows. <laughs> and and it's hard to do as you're going. And I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, a couple of times I've seen it, they're they're doing it while they're already on stage. It's not yeah. like they've got it pre-planned out or pre-set up in their on Well, their it's, it's usually a song that you know very well. Yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. I'm going to do what I just did there and then record that on the looper and then improvise along with that. Yes. So that's that's how I would do something yeah. like that. And I've used that in performance on, on some occasions. And so, you know, we, we just briefly touched on um, some of the new stuff you're doing, but you're actually in more than one jazz band, uh, right? Yeah, like a yeah. big jazz band and I, then... I play with a big band out of New Carlisle. We have anywhere from 10 to 18 pieces, depending. Wow. In the winter, it's a little quiet. Some people go away for the winter. Uh-huh. Um, that include brass and... Uh, oh, yeah, sax. We have uh-huh. altos, tenor saxes, trumpets, trombones, uh, keyboard, drum, guitar. Uh-huh. Yours truly. More than one guitar player or just... No, just one. Just one guitar just player? Just one. Uh-huh. And um, I think we're going to get our bass guitar player back, which really makes a big difference. How are they handling that bass part 
without an um, actual bass player? Right now, I have to do it. <laughs> Which is fine. Get you know, to do just, it. Get to do it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, you know I can play a you know I can play a song like this where I'm dealing with the bass. Yeah. Or I can play this, and the bass will handle that uh-huh. part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and on electric I can adjust it in a different way. Right. Um, then I have a, a gig with a believe it or not a French horn jazz player. Cool. Just the two of you guys? Just the two of us. Uh Uh-huh. And if I might do a shameless plug on the 24th of April. Please. We'll be doing a show. uh, It's one of the uh, family concerts for the School of American Music at the Converged Church in New Buffalo. Oh, great. So we'll be performing there for about 35 minutes. Terrific. Are there other uh, groups playing there the same day? There'll be a solo violin player, I believe. I don't know if he's got anyone with him. Nick Orbovich, who's a phenomenal violin player. And he'll start out in Baroque and end up in a jazz fusion. Oh, that's So it'll fun. be a fun segue. It'll, it'll yeah. be fun to watch him. Any collaboration anticipated in something like that where he I don't joins in? And I don't know Nick. So oh, yeah. The so answer is maybe, <laughs> but not at this point. Right, you know, right. But you never know. And I'm always looking for something new. Yeah. Always looking for something I new. I know. Yeah. You're, you're always discovering and, and learning and uh, get exciting about that kind of stuff. Well, it's just, it's what I do now. Yeah. You know? Music, right, and it's a lot of fun, and, and uh, the guitars has helped me a lot with a lot of things, including um, about two months ago, a keyboard, an electronic keyboard, literally came into my possession uh-huh. that I wasn't planning on. So I decided, well, I guess I'll start studying piano. Oh boy, <laughs> that's hard. Is it? Yeah. I mean, you know, in some ways, it's so simple because. You know, it's, you push a button and it plays exactly like you want to play. There's not, you know, I mean, there's no. I wish strings, it was as no simple frets. as I wish it was as simple as that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, learning your chords and learning to play the chords, but then playing the inversions. Oh, right. Of a chord. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And that's a big deal. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the nice thing is that I don't need to study music theory. That's right. You, you already know how to read music and uh, mm-hmm. you understand yep. the theories behind it. Yeah. Well, that's kind of good. And so we're, you didn't do any um, musical study like in college or oh, no, post-grad no. work or anything like that? No, no. Um, I'm actually a uh, recovering biochemist. Yes, right. I have a doctorate in biochemistry, and uh, I worked in the biotech world for 10 years, and um, or 12 years, until I decided I can't do this corporate America and me just never got along. <laughs> okay. We just never did. I tried. Right. Um, I worked for Abbott Laboratories for three and a half years, and that was three years too long. Well, listen, I'm sure that that was a torture. Where you well, it just, like just didn't work. And so <laughs> I, I looked at my wife and I said, look, I've had a midlife crisis. I have a trophy wife, and I want a red Corvette. What am I going to do? <laughs> and I had ended up importing French wine for 20 years into the Chicago Right. Market. I didn't realize that you had done that for even longer than you I started worked. in 96. Yeah. So it's kind of amazing. And you were doing it as more of a hobby even before... 20 years. But you were doing it as a hobby while you were still working, working. You, uh, it yeah. was a 20-year hobby that I turned into a 20-year uh, business. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I yeah. understand what you're saying now. Yeah. Uh, and these were primarily French wines, so it gave you the opportunity it was to ex- travel It was exclusively French. French wines, and yes, I was in France two, three times a year. Yeah, how fun. You know, it's great. I work with small producers. I learned fluent French because I couldn't work with these people if I didn't. Yeah. Because they're farmers. They didn't speak English. Right. And they and certainly, I'm sure they trusted you a lot more 
because you took that time to learn how to speak to them in their own language. It really makes go a on huge to their farms. And, yeah, it makes a huge difference when you can speak the language and understand the culture. You get much closer to people in another country, and uh, it's something I think Americans need to do more of. I I agree. You know, you know, you go to a foreign country though, and most foreign countries, especially European countries, they'll speak, you know, they'll speak their language. Like, let's say you go to France or speaking French and they also probably know how to speak English and maybe even another language like German or Spanish. Or, well, yeah, uh, the Europeans are It doesn't really happen in uh, America like that. They're definitely multilingual. But, yeah. you know, you drive two hours and you can be in another country. So really, yeah. the, in, the, the influences are much different than they are here. Right. Um, but my own... You know, Americans are just, I think, just a little bit arrogant. They assume that everybody speaks English and the French just don't want to speak English to us. And they really don't have a clue, <laughs> which is kind of sad. The French don't uh, have a clue. In no, how the, the, the Americans, Americans don't, don't have, have a clue, clue that, that we're not the center of the universe. That's right. Yeah. We're not. <laughs> well, uh, it's a big we'll world. just keep it to ourselves. <laughs> it's a big world out there and there's a whole lot of great stuff. I, I, that's why I'm just addicted to travel. I love it. Yeah. Well... Uh, and I know you're a big bike rider, um, uh-huh. and you and your wife have a tandem bike, and that that's this whole um, social uh, interaction and and uh, has its own um, thing oh, yeah. with that. I mean, you guys I, traveling I with other tandem riders. We've and, done that. We've taken the tandem to France a dozen times. That's what I was getting to. So and you, just go, and that was the re- original reason to learn French. Oh, so uh-huh. you can go anywhere you want and not have to worry about communicating. Yeah. And on a bike, you're getting into the back country. You're not taking major roads. Right. And so that was the joy of the whole thing. Wow, that must. Have, I mean, it's nice enough to just be in the back roads around Harbor Country, where there are beautiful back roads and fun places to ride. But to do that in a country like France must have been amazing. It is, but you did hit a, a really good nail on the head there. The, the the riding around in Harbor Country is fabulous. Yeah. Northern Indiana learned how to make better roads than Michigan did. Yeah, well, that's true. So, but anyway, there's great roads around here, and so we we, we do a lot of riding. Right. You know, we're now full time residents. You are now. Country. Yep. Yeah. We even pay Michigan taxes. <laughs> well, you weren't paying Michigan taxes before. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, you know, we we basically kept our, <laughs> our our state residence in Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. Until 2020, and we said, "Well, we're here, so here we are." I hear you. Ready yeah. or not. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> here we are. Well, the only problem with that is that as a homestead resident, the your property taxes, you're two times or three times the regular homestead property taxes are now not going to the local schools. Local schools get a ton of money from the out-of-state second property home, t- second, second home, home taxes. Even if you're a Michigan resident and you have a second home, you're paying double the millage on the education tax. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, this is our only residence. Right. And so we no longer pay double the millage. We just pay what every other resident pays. Well, and that's why this, the schools around uh, Harbor Country are have so much revenue coming in. You know, they, they are able to have small classrooms, and it's, you know, they're able to provide a really great yeah. education. Yeah. Make, you know, some really terrific schools. Bridgman schools, you know, one of those. Anyway, <laughs> we digress. <laughs> we did digress. Yeah. 
so. so when you're playing with the uh, the bigger band, is it like big band sound kind of oh, music? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ah, good. Okay. Yeah, so I'm, so what I'm, are the kind of songs that you guys play with the bigger uh, band? And what's the name of the bigger the, band? The band is called Down by the Dock. Down by the and Dock. And it got its name because the original rehearsal place, which is now where we rehearse again, uh-huh. is Monroe Crossing in Hudson Lake. And we rehearse. They have a, ba- a what would you call it, a banquet room and a ballroom that goes back to the 20s. Ooh, wow. When the bands would be on the stage, and people would come and dance, and it's there's actually a South Shore rail line stop right there. What town is this? Uh, it's called Hudson Lake. Hudson Lake. Okay. I mean, after Hudson Lake, the next stop is South Bend. Oh, so that's re- where you know, it is. It's really yeah. not that far. Right. And New Carlisle, it goes right through New Carlisle. Uh huh. Okay. So, uh, uh, so we rehearse there. Um, the band does a real wide array of things from pop. I mean, they actually do an Edgar Winter song. Uh-huh. Oh, interesting. Frankenstein? Is, it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got that. Is, it, is that right? Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> um, but um, right now, songs like In the Mood, Take the A Train. Oh, yeah. Those uh, don't are fun. Um, Come Fly With Me, mm. Caledonia. Uh, from but from pop songs, it would be stuff like the theme from Skyfall, the James Bond movie. Oh, uh-huh. um, from the most recent version of uh, what was it, A Star Is Born, with Lady oh, Gaga and Brad uh, right, Cooper. Right. The song Shallow. Oh, that's right. That you know, a... and that's kind of, for me. That's kind of a feature because then I bring an acoustic guitar where I normally play an electric. Ah, okay. So you know, it's it's a lot of fun and and and. Uh, Making music with a big band is just a totally different experience than making music with uh, a trio or a quartet or something like that. Sure. I mean, everyone's got their role in a, in a big band, and it's so much more significant because, you know, they're, they're responsible for their piece in this mm-hmm. whole big group. Well, you know, and everyone's arrangement is quite precise. Uh, who, you know, I mean, with who the, does all the arranging for them? We buy arrangements. Ah, okay. Uh, there's a number of companies that do this kind of thing, and they have a difficulty level, so... We're not at the level of the Count Basie Orchestra, we'll put it that way. But we do pretty darn well. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, you know, you must have some very accomplished musicians who are uh, working with you in that band. They do. Well, we do. We do. Um, two of the people that are in the band, including the band leader, uh, teach at the School of the American Music. School of American Music. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, we're so lucky in Three Oaks to have the School of American Music right there. I mean, it's I, amazing to me. I yeah. Just, it gives me a chance to give back. All the time I've spent, all what I've gotten, uh, there's no greater joy than to watch somebody's eyes light up when they figure something out. Do you, are there a lot of kids that go there, or is it adults? Or? Uh, we get a lot of adults. I have, um, right now, I have one young student and two adults. And our band leader who wanted to learn guitar. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh-huh. Ilan plays, my goodness, six, seven instruments, trumpet, saxophone. Wow. Keyboard. But she's a music school graduate. Uh-huh. So this is her life. Yeah. And she yeah. teaches music at the elementary level. So, you know. That's amazing. Well, and she's a student now at uh, School of American Music. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's a, you know, it's a big statement that here's a music teacher Mm-hmm. And someone who's who's been educated in music at in college, and she's chosen the School of American Music. That's uh, yeah, that's a, nice a lot statement. of fun. Yeah. I mean, I took voice lessons there Did to you? improve my singing, 
and it had a dramatic effect on, on how I performed. Is that uh, your introduction to the School of American Music when you took voice lessons? No. Um, actually, I, I know of the school from before it existed. Yeah. Uh, my wife right. was on the founding board 10 uh, years ago yeah. as a secretary and treasurer, and Garth was a friend before that. And so uh, I joined the board the year after I left the Acorn board, which we right. were now serving on. I served right. for four years. After I left that board and when I termed out, uh, I joined the, the School of American Music Board. And um, it works really well for me because it, you know, I can provide a musical pr- perspective to other board members who are not musically inclined uh, when we talk about concerts and things. You know, I know what it takes to mix the music on a soundboard. Yeah. I know what it takes to make a stage plot. And the time that's required to do that if you're going to have an afternoon with five different acts. Right, right. You know, that's you're, you're walking a tightrope yeah. <laughs> no matter what <laughs> you do. Right. And you're hoping, to, you know, to heaven that no matter what you do, it's going to work out. And it usually does. Yeah. Because everybody pitches in and the bands are just great to work with. So I wanted to get back to something you had mentioned before. Prior to, uh, you know, your hiatus from guitar, you got married and and you kind of put it to the side. Um, Were you uh, in any bands or were you you just like to, you know, play around in the... I had people I played with. Yeah. I didn't have any formal bands. I was traveling a lot. Um, In the mid-70s, before I went to graduate school, I connected with this guy, um, Ewell Cook from upstate New York. And uh, the two of us went into what we called our ragtime phase. And we were playing Scott Joplin-type ragtime pieces on the guitar. Oh, fun. And and some really fun stuff. And that's really when my finger-picking started to dominate my playing. I I almost never play with a pick these days, unless I'm doing jazz. Right, right. You know, when it comes to acoustic, I can do, with my thumb pick, I can use just like a flat pick. Yeah. So I went, you know, I'd play with people on and off. So I didn't have any, any formal bands, um, but didn't slow me down none. Did you uh, ever play any bluegrass music? Was that ever part of your yeah, I repertoire? Did. I did. In fact, one of the fun things when I lived in the Washington, D.C. area was to go to the National Folk and National Bluegrass Festival. Mm. And you could see some great acts, but I got to tell you, the real action was in the parking lot. Yeah. Around oh, the picnic that. benches when people would just pull out their guitars and banjos and harmonicas and just you'd have this circle of 10 15 people just jamming yeah oh how fun is that 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 is a ton of fun yeah without question and uh, we've talked about this before but you were also at um woodstock one of the oh that brings me back yeah (laughs) yeah well so you had already started playing guitar uh, before you went to woodstock because i think you were 17 or 18 when you went to woodstock i was Barely 17 yeah. <laughs> when I went to Woodstock. Never gotten high. Um, and it, was a, it, it, changed my, it changed my life. Oh, I'll bet. I mean, I uh, was listening to that music growing up with it. Uh, I was very fortunate that my friend Stephen's older sister lived in Greenwich Village and connected me with folk and, and folk, well, mostly folk musicians and old blues-type musicians that I never would have made contact with at that age. Sure. Well, that was... Uh, that was probably uh, about 10 years. I mean, in the early 70s. It was about 10 years after Bob Dylan was spending time in... Uh, well, he was uh, in New York in 65, 66. And yeah. starting in 66, my folks let me go into Manhattan. Now, I, I couldn't get into the bars, 
but uh-huh. I could listen to the music, and there were there were coffee houses that didn't serve alcohol, right? So I could go in there. Yeah. And um, so by the late '60s, early '70s, you know, I'd seen Dylan, I'd seen Joan Baez, I'd wow. seen Dave Van Ronk, uh, Tom Paxton, mm-hmm. uh, of people that, of the music I still play. All today. the big ones, right? Wow, what a, an incredible opportunity that it, was! It it was a very formative experience for me musically. How did you uh, end up being able to go to Woodstock? Did did you get tickets in advance? <laughs> did you just show up and jump the fence? <laughs> uh, you know, did you guys walk there? <laughs> um, maybe yes to all of that. <laughs> I still have the original tickets. Wow! Um, many years ago, uh, when I realized they were crumbling, I took the tickets and we found the original Woodstock poster. Uh-huh. And I brought it to a place called Artist Frame Service in Chicago. Of course. And had them mounted under nitrogen. Mounted under nitrogen, like in a... They sealed it. Uh, so a frame that's sealed and they have nitrogen pl- well, not the whole frame, pumped into it? One little part of it. Uh-huh. One little part of it. Um, for the ticket part. For the tickets. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, it was three guys and me, four of us, that we were all friends. Yeah. And we packed our duffel bags with tents and sleeping bags and we threw cans of food. Chef Boyardee, oh, man. believe it or not, and uh, we got on it. We took a train to New York City, got on a Trailways bus. When the bus got off of, onto Route 17 and then pulled onto 17B, it came to a dead stop. Oh, wow. And that was – so this was Thursday afternoon. Oh, man. Unbelievable. And so we walked all night, sometimes on the back of a car, just walked Jeez. to the site. We got there at about 4.30 in the morning, so we were up all night. Unbelievable. It was, but, you know. What an experience, But the though. adrenaline was incredible. Yeah, and to know? see all these people, and they're all, was it just a big bunch of people all walking, or people stayed in their cars, or well, abandoned their cars their on the car- side of the road? No, there was some of that, I guess. Uh, people who were driving, they'd let us sit on the car. We'd just sit on the car and roll with it. Oh, I see. And so they were moving kind of slow at that point. But by the time we got there on Friday, the the, 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 the fences were already pushed over You're and already kidding. down, so no one was taking oh, tickets. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but um, you know, we found a place to pitch our tents. Uh, they were so overwhelmed that there were people who were working the festival running around with chlorine tablets uh-huh. Allowing you to to, <clears throat> to sanitize the water that they had, which wasn't uh-huh. as clean yeah. as it could be. And then at 10 o'clock in the morning, they started to test the system on Friday. And they used the first Crosby, Stills, and Nash album. The the PA system. The PA saying. system. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. They used yeah. the first album. Well, it hadn't been released yet. Whoa. So nobody ever heard it. So everybody's yeah. walking around, what is that? <laughs> And it was, and they were at the festival. Yes, they were. By, yeah. By that time, Neil Young had joined the band. Uh huh. So it was CSNY. Right. Right. But yeah, and and that was just. Well, I, I remember uh, on the album itself. You know, I listened to that album over and over when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one of the cooler albums my parents had, and I just remember when Crosby, Stills, Nash came to the stage. They said something like, "This is our first time ever playing in front of people." That's right. So they like had you know spent time in the recording studio, put together that album, but right. they and hadn't they, as they said, been they were scared bleepless. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Five hundred thousand people just right uh, all in front of them, right. a sea of people. That's right. That must have been cool. <laughs> I, it was it was truly something to behold. I can't ever imagine. Oh uh, yeah, anything like that happening. And, and I went to Watkins Glen and a number of festivals after that, and uh-huh. they tried to redo Woodstock. Sure. However, 
the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. Um, the actual amphitheater and the land around it was bought by someone who was, I guess, involved in the advent of uh-huh. cable TV, and it's called the Bethel Woods Music and Art Center. And yeah. Dylan plays there because yeah. it's just down the street from the the true town of Woodstock. Yes, and we went there, and the amphitheater is now preserved as a monument, the natural amphitheater yeah. where uh-huh. this was, and they have a museum there, and they had some of the bands that were at Woodstock including Carlos Santana, John Fogarty. Uh, that was a lot of fun. They had Ringo Starr, uh-huh. who, who wasn't was at Woodstock. No, he wasn't. No, but, but um, and I can never remember the guy's name. He was the lead guitarist from Toto, but he also mm. played guitar. I, no, the keyboard guy was yeah. Santana's keyboard guy. Oh, okay. So it was really, that was a lot of fun. And it did rain for part of one day. <laughs> it so better it have. Was, it was perfectly authentic. <laughs> Yeah, so when you were at Woodstock, uh, did you, you know, get all your stuff sopping wet? I mean, they probably only had canvas tents at that time, not but, even but the canvas plastic tents, tents were good. And we ended up sharing our Chef Boyardee with a lot of people who oh, didn't have any nice. food. So, yeah. you know, it was great. And, and people uh, just weren't prepared. Nobody had any idea. They yeah. would run out of food. They didn't expect this many people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a true happening, and it happened. That's for sure. And we got out of there at 3, so we never saw Hendrix. Because we had a chance during Johnny Winter's section at 3.30 in the morning uh-huh. to get out of there. Mud splattered. Is this on so- Sunday morning? Uh, Monday morning. Monday morning. Okay. Yes. And my f- friend Brett said that, hey, there's a car that's uh-huh. leaving, and they'll let us sit on the back of the car. <laughs> so, you know, when you're 16, 17, you do some pretty stupid things. Right. And so the four of us are literally on the back of the trunk. I'm hanging on to one of the open back windows. Larry's hanging on to one of the open back windows. Holy cow. And we're all, we have our gear with us, and we're on the back of this car at 50 miles an hour. Oh, my God. For 35 miles to get to Monticello, where we caught the bus <laughs> back home. Well, you know, hey, you made it. You can talk about it now. but Yeah. It, <laughs> but during that whole thing, I'm thinking. Yeah, my mom's going to kill me. <laughs> no, I think my mom will never see me again. <laughs> or that. It was that kind of thing. Yeah. So. But, you know, it's all of these things impact you in, in, in your music life. Sure. And, um, you know, I've never lost all that. And that continually plays a role in the way I look at music and play music and think about music. Yeah. You know. When was the first time you played, like, with a band where you went out, you know, you got paid for your for your uh, In college. In college. Oh, I, okay. I had a band. Um, we had a bass, two guitars, and two amazing singers. Larry was an Irish tenor. Larry Sharkey, you know. <laughs> and and I, um, Karen, I don't remember her last name, um, she sang like an angel. And we did uh, lots of great songs. Um, one of our, there's a song called, a, a West, uh, not a Western, but a country song, called Someday Soon, Coming With Him Someday Soon. And she sang that song, and I, th- I think... Linda Ronstadt might have done that song, but boy. So, yeah, we had a band for about a year and a half, and that was a lot of fun. Was that when you were in Ann Arbor? or No, this is, this is back in 1970. Okay. I was up at a little town in Mid-Hudson Valley called New Paltz, which is a state university college of the New York State oh, school, school system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to Ann Arbor until 1982. 
Okay, and then you went there for your graduate stuff. I did post-grad work there. Post-grad work. I was at U University of Maryland for my grad work. I went to Ann Arbor for a, a fellowship, and that's when I realized that academia and me wouldn't get along either. <laughs> well, you gave it your best. Went I for did, your doctorate. I did everything I, mean, you know. I could do. I did everything you I could do. It's not like you gave up in high school. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, 10 years of, of, uh, of graduate work, and that's it. Putting a foot down. No more graduate you work. You know, when you realize that you can't work for corporate America, and universities are just another version of that. Yeah. Oh, it's you probably know. worse. Yeah. Um, I mean, academia is just its own devil in and of itself. There, there are so many adult children running around in academia. Sure. And, and I, I, you know, I mean... Things that were just so petty, I'm thinking, I can't, I couldn't live like this. Well, you've probably read the Philip Roth book, The Human Stain. That always, that's my impression of what happens in academia, you know, <laughs> just the, all the backbiting and yep. this and yep. that. And, you know, are they going to approve tenure? Are they not going to approve tenure? Yeah, I just didn't want to be a, a part of it. And at that yeah. time, grant, grant, uh, grant applications were really hard to come by. And I'm thinking, only a only a fool stays on a sinking ship, <laughs> and and it just wasn't where I wanted to be. Yeah, I, I realized I had too many other interests. I mean, in well, be, in between experiments, I would be sitting on the steps of the chemistry library, with the music from Beethoven's "Ode to Joy" in front of me, trying to figure out a finger picking version of it. <laughs> okay, amazing. So you know, and I bought I, I I learned to read music in elementary school, as a trumpet player. And trumpet didn't last that long for me, and then the guitar took, yeah. took the way. Uh, and in graduate school, I played out probably two, three nights a week at local places, just playing my old blues and Bessie Smith type songs, and you know those kinds of things, and just just having a grand old time. Did you ever get to play in the um, coffee shops in Greenwich Village? Any of that kind of stuff? No, no, I was way too young. I, you know, and. No, so the answer is no, I never did. Yeah, yeah. That would have been a lot of fun, but no, I never did. And in this, uh, you know, rebirth of your um, guitar playing, and I know that you're presently in these, you know, the big band, um, but also you uh, do a, a trio or, or a quartet. Well, I have a duo right now with a French horn player. You, you mentioned the duo right. with the French horn uh, player. And I'm always looking for new stuff. You know, you never know. Um, when I was playing at DeBlon the other day, a guy comes up to me, and because uh, I was having a, a little bit of a feedback problem, and I, which we rectified, and he gave my wife a card and said, you know, I'd like to find people to play with, so we're going to get together this Friday. Terrific. So you never know. Yeah. And what instrument does he play? He's a guitar player. Great. So yeah. that'll be very cool. Yeah. Do you ever uh, sit down and, and do that kind of thing with other guitar players and just... You know, kind of oh, yeah. pick and grin and oh, yeah. and uh, venture in and out of, of songs. and Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, it's almost a bluegrass kind of uh, vibe, um, you know, when two guitar players might, you know, play along like that. Well, it depends on what you're playing. That's, that's true, yeah. You know, it certainly. could be a blues vibe. Yeah, you know, it's right. all It's all good. It's all good. I mean, the, the, the joy is making the music. You know, I'm not a great bluegrass guitarist, although... When it comes to chords and finger picking, I can hang in with the best of them. Yeah, you know? I, I can see that that's definitely your strength. That if you, I wanted to. Yeah. You know, so. But yeah, it's just, it's, just, it's just a ton of fun. Making music, playing music, um, and having the time to dedicate to it. Right. Well, I th and I think with the wine, you kind of found your, you know, your true 
uh, uh, love. And, yeah. uh, and then, you know, now they have the opportunity to be able to play music, too. I mean, it sounds like... Uh, the wine thing was very cool. Yeah. Um, but I started picking up guitar during that, you know, coming back to bring it, it. Yeah, bringing it that. back, yeah. You know, because I started the company in, 20, in, in 1996. I started playing again probably about in 2010. Ah, uh-huh. And then I started, I, I took the deep dive in, in 2014. And that has not haven't come up for air yet. Yeah. <laughs> so. How fun. Well, uh, why don't we play another song and then uh, um, we'll close it out. Yeah. Um, Getting me, your finger think. pickers back on. Yeah, I do. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to. I noticed you didn't play with the finger picks uh, in that second song you, d- you played, you know, about 15, 20 minutes ago. Uh, was that. Was that done with intent, or it was done with intent? When I play jazz, I don't use finger picks. Ah, okay. Uh, I'm looking for a softer sound, and if I need amplification, I can always turn the guitar up. Um, I don't play that kind of music on an acoustic guitar very often. I really usually relegate that to my electric. I see. Uh huh. But what I'm going to do here is uh, got the capo going on there. Yeah. Well, and this is more because I happen to like the way this song sounds in the key of G, but it's too low for me so i play it in the key of a ah okay using using the g form chords i'm going to play something that takes me back to like 1968 awesome um song by tom paxton called uh, the last thing on my mind all right well let me Beautiful let's song. do this let's uh we'll close out the show uh i'm here with ron spears radio harbor country and uh we're listening to johnny secret stash i'm john goldman and Radio Harbor Country is WRHC, 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, and 93.5 uh, WRHZ out of Sawyer, Michigan. And we're in the brand new uh, Sawyer, Michigan, WRHRC studios. Yeah, it's beautiful a be- here. beautiful studio. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's so much nicer than, than where the studio was before. I know. It's like you know, the, and, the old and thank joke. you so much for inviting me. Thanks for coming. You know, oh, what a pleasure. You know, really... you know, if you invite me to come in, I'll, you know, ride wild horses to get here oh, if man. I have to do that. I appreciate it. Well, Same. thank you. Looking forward to this. Here we go. Here's Ron Spears. It's a lesson too late for the learning. Made of sand. Made of sand. And a wink. Of an eye, my soul is turning In your hand, in your hand Are you going away with no words of farewell? Can there be not a trace left behind? I could love you better, I didn't mean to be unkind You know that was the last thing on my mind You got reasons plenty for going. Yes, I know. Yes, I know. For the weeds have been steadily growing. Please don't go. Please don't go. Are you going away with no words of farewell? Can there be not a trace left behind? I could love you better I didn't mean to be unkind You know that was the last thing on my mind 
As we walk down the street, my heart is tumbling round and round, round and round. Underneath our feet, the subway's rumbling underground, underground. Are you going away with no words of farewell? Can there be not a trace left behind? I could love you better. I didn't mean to be unkind. You know that was the last thing on my mind. As I lie in my bed in the morning, without you, without you, each song in my breast dies a morning, without you. Are you going away with no words of farewell? Can there be not a trace left behind? I could love you better. I didn't mean to be unkind. You know that was the last thing on my mind, darling. That was the last thing on my mind. Beautiful. Thanks, Ron. Thank uh, t- you, John. Twenty uh, fourth again, April twenty fourth. April Sunday, April twenty fourth, starting at two thirty, uh, Converge Church in New Buffalo. Uh, Nick Orbovich will start it off, and then my friend Dino Jackson and I will continue along with uh, jazz standards. All right. Well, thanks again. Take it easy, everybody. Good night.